So as we continue our build-up to today's historic Singapore summit, let's welcome on the line Ambassador Donald Gregg, dubbed as the man who knows more about North Korea than any living American. Ambassador Gregg is chairman of the Pacific Century Institute, served as U.S. ambassador to South Korea from 1989 to 1993, is a CIA veteran and recipient of the National Intelligence Distinguished Service Medal. Thank you so much for speaking with us. Well, I'm delighted, and I don't deserve all those kind words, but let's just let them float away and get on with today's business. Well, thank you for your humility, but it was Time Magazine's Normal Perlstein who called you the man who knows more about North Korea than any living American. As a specialist, as as close to a specialist as we can really get on North Korea, with all the guesswork around Pyongyang, what is your overall reaction to this current situation, which we just couldn't have expected several months ago, really? Well, I think we need to be careful not to overreact. Uh, I think that the, the North Koreans want to be taken seriously. Their major objective is to develop their economy. Uh, the last time, my first trip to North Korea, I've been there six times. My first trip was in 2002 my last trip was in 2014 and in those 12 years the economy as as i saw it mostly in pyongyang but also in some adjoining areas had just made tremendous progress when i first went there the roads were not paved the cars were old the clothes were shabby the hotels were unpleasant and uh, 12 years later, all that had changed. The roads were paved. The clothes looked much better. The hotel in which I stayed was very shiny and very up to snuff. There were some good re- restaurants in town. And uh, I felt that uh, North Korea was really on the way to becoming a more more uh, normal country. And I think that has con- continued to evolve. And I am uh, I'm very optimistic about the situation around North Korea. I remain pessimistic about the situation in the Middle East, but I think that the situation around North Korea can be dealt with as long as we keep our thinking caps on and as long as we think carefully about what we do and what we say. Well, there's another former CIA man, Mike Pompeo, who's uh, helping to lead the charge at the moment with North Korea. But you said in an interview with Time magazine last year that North Korea was the longest-running failure in the history of American espionage. Firstly, I'd love to hear you clarify that. But secondly, what's changed? Well, I think that's, that's the case, because we, we have not recruited North Korean agents. We have not really had uh, prolonged, really informative relations with their, uh, with their diplomats. And uh, when I said that, and when I, when I first said that, I think it was several years ago, uh, I think it was true that it was just uh, an area in which we had had very, very little success. I think that has changed to a certain extent now. Uh, I think that's because North Korea makes itself more available to outside people, that we are beginning to have a shared interest in North Korea becoming a more normal country. And so uh, I think it is has been a very long failure, but I think that things are looking up as compared to what they were a year or two ago. There also seems to be a change in North Korea's regime, and, and so much are guessing about what exactly Kim Jong Un is is thinking right now. 
I have found that the uh, the North, as I think I already said, I've been to North Korea 16, six times, and I have gotten to know a number of their senior people quite well, and they are impressive. Uh, they are well-educated, well-trained. Uh, they know their facts, uh, and they are ready to keep their word if they are sure that you will keep your word in response. That's hard to come to because there's very little trust uh, between us. But I think the groundwork is being laid for a time where we can have a much better dialogue with North Korea and that uh, they are not looking to attack anybody or to overthrow any other governments. They are looking to improve their own e economy. And uh, from my last trip to North Korea, they are already beginning to do that, and they're very proud of it, as they should be. It is a confusing picture, though, isn't it, when you look at North Korea's policies for the last few decades to just, and I hope they do, just quickly abandon that. But can you really see that happening? I think I can. I, I, was, I was disappointed to read uh, the latest Time magazine, and there was a, a good deal of very, very negative reporting on what kind of a repressive government North Korea has had, and, uh, you know, what an awful relationship they, uh, they have, or an awful, awful rela uh, reputation they have. Uh, I suppose you can say that, but I don't know what the point is of saying it today when we really want to move away from that and when we want to encourage them to act more like a normal member of the diplomatic community, which I think they want to do and which I think they are willing to do as long as they feel we will treat them fairly. Well, of course, there are those who say this is, yes, a difficult time to raise issues, but perhaps the only time that uh, some of these very important issues are right there, wide open to be discussed. You know, for example, human rights. Uh, again, yeah. I, I sympathise with what you're saying there, that uh, it might do more harm than, than good right now. But, but what would you well, say to I those critics? Well, I don't necessarily say that. I mean, I think, I think to raise that, I mean, that... Human rights has never been an easy issue to raise with anybody, anybody at any time, and particularly with the North Koreans. I think if you are careful in setting the stage for why you're raising it and what you want to con achieve, I think that you can keep the door open and gradually get into the topic. But if, if they feel that the effort is to make them look bad, to demonize them, to say what a terrible, stinking country you are, and why are we doing any of this with you, and what we ought to do is have a different government there entirely, they're not going to cooperate. And I don't think it's in our interest to have that hard line of policy. I think it is in our interest now to work with North Korea to emerge from its period of dictatorial isolation into a period of time where they have better relations with their neighbors. So what is your expectation for the summit? What, what would be the best scenario to come out of this meeting? I think I'm no, fa I'm no fan of President Trump. I have to say that right off the bat. Uh, I think anything, I think we would be well not to expect too much from this, from this summit. I think there will be claims for it having accomplished more than it actually has. I think we ought not to pay too much attention to that. Uh, 
I think we ought to say now what what is the line toward making some real progress? I think that's a difficult line to follow. I think there has to be the establishment of some trust and mutual acceptance of other people's shortcomings. And as long as some progress is being made to establish that kind of thing, I think we're well off. I don't expect much more than that. What about this idea of a peace treaty uh, and the fact that China's not directly involved in what's happening at the moment uh, in Singapore? There's been a lot of speculation about President Moon Jae-in's role here in South Korea. What, what's your view on formally ending the Korean War? I think it's much more complex. I think it's very difficult to do right off the bang. I mean, I think if, if senior people from the countries directly involved begin to talk about what's necessary. What do we have to sign up for? What do we have to undo? What do we have to accept in the way of criticism for our previous behavior? As long as that kind of thing starts to happen, I think we can claim that's real progress. But to expect that suddenly there's going to be a, a, a treaty to end the war, I don't think that's going to happen. And if it did, it wouldn't hold up because it would have skipped over many too many things that will have to be worked out more painstakingly on the way to a real agreement. And speaking of China before, what role is Beijing playing right now, given that Kim Jong-un reportedly flew to Singapore in an Air China 747 jet? You know, I don't know. I, 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 I could guess, but I think that's, I, I, my guess is I don't think even would be well, uh, worth listening to. I really don't know. And I think when I don't know something, I like to admit it rather than, rather trying to spin a web of what possibly might be. I just don't know the answer to that question. Well, that's very honourable. But in the bigger picture, uh, then, given your experience, presumably, of speaking to Chinese officials over the years, will they well, be thank you. will they be viewing the U.S. with great suspicion at this point? Yes, I think so. I, I think that if if I were Chinese, I would not find Trump a particularly confidence-inspiring figure. And uh, I, you know, I have. I have met nine American presidents, and uh, I think uh, President Trump, is, of those I have met, is, is the least desirable on every count. And I think those viewpoints are probably shared by the Chinese and the Japanese and other sophisticated observers of our what we're going through. Yet the wild card factor, you just never know where he might actually end up doing more than than one of those sophisticated approaches might have been able to do. Yes, that's true. As I, as I say, a, a stopped clock is right twice a day. <laughs> well, this would be a great time to be right. Ambassador Donald Gregg. It, 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 would, it, it would be. Thank you very much for speaking with us today. My pleasure. Enjoyed it. Thanks so much.